KRCL, Salt Lake City. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. Thanks for plugging into your community with KRCL tonight. Questions, comments, suggestions for the show? Hey, reach out. Send an email. Radioactive at krcl.org. All right, coming up on the show tonight, don't know if you heard, but last week, Utah Governor Spencer Cox announced the state's effort to focus on skills-first hiring rather than a bachelor's degree as its entry in its hiring practices. On the heels of that announcement comes Tech Moms co-founder Robin Scribner with a new program to help women re-entering the workforce. It's called Ready to Work, and we're going to dig into it with Scribner and two of her Tech Mom grads, Kelsey Taylor and Sammy Nielsen. Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women in Leadership Project will be back this evening in a conversation I recorded with her about homelessness among Utah women. She's got some resources for folks as well. But first, let's get to rallies and resources. Of course, the teddy bear rally is going on at the Capitol, and I've got some information on that in just a minute with Bill Tibbetts of Crossroads Urban Center. Until 7 p.m. tonight at 350 North State Street, you can drive up and drop off diapers of any size as well as baby formula. They'll make sure it gets to folks in need this time of year. They've also got their Christmas food giveaway coming up on Friday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And by them, I mean Crossroads Urban Center at Roland Hall. They've been doing it for about 20 years, 843 South Lincoln Street. There's there's no registration. There's no documentation that you need to show. But if you need help with food this holiday season, come and receive a frozen turkey and sides for your holiday meal. You can drive up, limit one food basket per vehicle. You can also walk up, folks. Details and rallies and resources, but also the show notes for tonight's tonight's show. You can go to krcl.org and click on Community Affairs to find rallies and resources. On Wednesday night, it is the Homeless Persons Candlelight Vigil, 5.30 p.m. at Pioneer Park, 350 South, 350 South, 300 West in Salt Lake. It's organized by 4th Street Clinic, to remember and honor homeless persons who have died in Salt Lake City in 2022 and to prevent additional loss of life or suffering caused by homelessness through advocacy, education, and other initiatives. And I'm trying to pull up the details while I'm talking to you about the uh, movie night going on with our friends downtown at 2nd South and 2nd East. That is First United Methodist. I believe. They're showing movies 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Do check that out. If you'd like to help, you can reach out to them as well. Okay, so let's get to some Vox Pop. I was down at the Gateway Mall over the weekend and ran into some folks raising awareness about what's going in on in Iran. And here's one of the women that I met. And why are you here today? We are protesting to show demonstrate our support for the uprising in Iran due to their oppression, uh, terrorism against the people in Iran, and then most recent uh, event that really created and ignited the whole uprising, Maso Amini, for not wearing the proper head cover, and they uh, arrested her and beat her up to death and 
they announced it that it was because of all of that. This has been going on for 43 years. What do you want Utahns, your fellow Utahns, well, to know? Well, we want, we want them to be our voice and do not allow the government make any more dealing with Iran. They should not even be sitting with those Islamic Republic representatives. They are not Iranians. They have no, they do not belong to Iranian people. They do not have Iranian voice. They don't care for the Iranian people. We want people to be aware. We want people to spread the word, be our voice. We are limited and a small community in Utah. But Utah is diverse community. Utah, Utah people care about humanity. Last week was the Human Rights Week. We finally made an achievement that we got, we got the, the whole United Nation voted against Iran to sit on the, you know, be representing the women's rights. If they are not even representing human rights, how are they representing human, the women's rights? So, Iranian people, this is the generation that was born and raised during this uh, regime. But now they're rising and they're saying enough is enough. They have no future. They have no living in Iran. There is no life for them. That's Nasreen Mohammadi, one of several folks down at the Gateway over the weekend, raising awareness about the situation in Iran and a woman life freedom. They will be on the show several tomorrow night for Roundtable Tuesday to share their stories and we to amplify their voices. And as I said earlier, going on up at the Capitol right now till about 7 o'clock, Crossroads Urban Center, Powerful Moms Who Care, the Coalition of Religious Communities, uh, all up there gathering diapers as well as baby formula. And I wanted to check in with Bill Tibbetts, and he had some time for me earlier today. Here's that conversation about what's happening as we speak. This evening, um, the Powerful Moms Who Care, which is also a project of Crossroads Urban Center right now, um, is organizing a diaper drive and formula drive, but also a rally for children experiencing homelessness. Um, It's called the Teddy Bear Rally because they're encouraging everyone who comes to bring a teddy bear or other stuffed animal to symbolize children who've been turned away from the shelter this winter. We know that uh, families were turned away in September, October, November. It sounds like maybe they're not being turned away at this time, or that, but I, I think um, it is really just, we can do better. We shouldn't be having families with kids, with especially really little kids being turned away from, from shelter when it's snowing. So. That's the overall, that's the purpose. I think we're also, for us, it's the beginning of explaining why it's really important that the legislature pass Governor Cox's proposals for housing. He's got um, $124 million uh, in one-time and ongoing funding requests for housing specifically. Um, $100 million of that is, is one-time money specifically for housing to reduce homelessness. We're seeing right now, I mean, uh, there's an effort to, to build um, four or 500 deeply targeted units to move people out of homelessness in, in Salt Lake City. That The hope is to have those available by April of this year. Unfortunately, those are not going to work for families with kids. And so, you know, it's really important that we do a, another round of, of funding for housing to reduce homelessness and that it includes money targeted for families with kids because we're seeing more families with kids showing up with shelter, showing up at the shelter, sleeping in cars than we've ever seen 
in 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 Utah. So I, I, this is um this is a top priority for Crossroads. It's a top priority for Powerful Moms Who Care. It will be a top priority for the Coalition of Religious Communities at our Faith and Poverty Day at the Capitol on January nineteenth. So, Bill, as we speak, as this airs, folks gathering at the Capitol for the diaper drive, the formula drive, and don't forget the teddy bears. Um, But earlier, uh, last week, rather, you held a Zoom online to say there's some things that are going right. As much as the things that are going wrong are critical during this incredibly cold time, there are things that are going right. And you cited the budget right there. What else is going right? I think that it's really important. I mean, if you're going to criticize homeless services, it's important to realize that they're doing more work than they're funded to do. I mean, there were 18,000 people who received some kind of homeless service in Utah last year. Um, the problem isn't that the shelters or the, and the people who work the shelters are incompetent or uncaring. The problem is that we rents have grown up faster than people can afford to pay. and uh, you know, there's just, there's more people becoming homeless than there's ever been in the history of our state. And that's not, unfortunately, with the rents going up as much as they have, it's also harder to help people move out of homelessness. And so, um, you know, you have more people experiencing homelessness than ever and more, and it's, it's harder to move people out of homelessness. I think um, the, the, what the goal that we had for our, our webinar last week was to talk about, to talk about all the amazing good work that's being done in St. George and Ogden and Salt Lake and South Salt Lake and Midvale. It's also, yeah, I also think when we talk about homelessness, we talk about it like it's only being dealt with in Salt Lake City, but there are, there's really important work being done in other parts of the state. Well, and if we were doing it perfectly, then we wouldn't have need for things like the rally tonight, the powerful moms who care. So that's why we keep putting out the call. Also, it was drawn to my attention, we talked about it on the show on Friday, that our friends over at First United Methodist Church in downtown Salt Lake had overnight movie night for unsheltered friends to come in out of the cold. It's been so bitterly cold. I'm guessing you knew of that. And uh, any word on how many folks went in for movie night? You know, I, I heard, I mean, the first night, I think there were about 50. The next three nights, they had 80 people. And um, you see people, you see you know, stuff in the news saying that, well, we have so many more beds for people to come out of the cold this year than we did at this point last year. And that's true. But there's um, there's no way that all 80 of those people who were spending the night in, you know, from eight to eight indoors at First Methodist on Saturday and Sunday night, that those people could have fit in, that there was space for all of them at the overflow shelters we have. Um, I think if you look long term, we all there are people who just don't want to be around as many people as you are at a shelter and they resist going in. But when it gets under 20 degrees, even the most diehard people will go inside if, if they can. And, and uh, so the work at First Methodist really, I mean, it, they saved lives. So they much, really, they did. They did. So much gratitude for them for opening their doors, and uh, we need to check in with them and hear a little bit more and support them as well. Coming up on Friday, it is Crossroads Urban Center's annual Christmas food giveaway, and last month for Thanksgiving, I think you told me you did over 3,500 or so, plus or minus dinners. Tell us about the Christmas food giveaway this Friday. 
Well, there are a lot more food programs for Christmas than ours. And so we want, are not expecting to serve as many people, but we're, we're hoping to, uh, we're prepared to, to um, provide Christmas meals to, uh, I think, about 650 families on, uh, on Friday. And I, I think uh, this is a, is a great partnership we, we have with the Roland Hall School. They've been hosting They've been letting us use their space for over 20 years. And so um, it's, it's uh, I think, something the most of the volunteers come from the school at this point. You've got people who, their kids have all graduated from the school and they, they participate. And so it's, um, I think it's, it's a way that they give back and, uh, I think you know it's something that that we do because to, because I think a lot of the focus in terms of giving around Christmas is about getting gifts for kids whose parents can't afford them a lot of self for Santa type things um, and then Chris, the meal for Christmas ends up being an afterthought and so this program um, people are always really happy that that. Somebody thought of that on on you know the Friday before Christmas. Christmas is I guess is on Sunday this year. So, so this Friday, um, ten to two at Roland Hall School at eight forty three South Lincoln Street. Again, ten to two. And is there any requirement? Do I have to show ID? Do I have to drive up? Can I walk up? There's always a walk up option. We're not going to ask for ID. We're going to if we assume if people are willing to wait in line for a meal that they that they need the help. We have discovered, I mean, during the pandemic, that people really like the drive-through and walk-up format rather than having to uh, wait in line and, and go through a building. And so um, we have decided not to change back because if it's more convenient and, it, it may, and more uh, just welcoming to people who need help, you know, less than that's the way we want to do it. So it's, it's an exciting, it's a really great amount. So it's not a prepared turkey. It's a frozen turkey and a couple of sides, one food basket per vehicle. Where can people find more information, Bill? Um, on the front page of the Crossroads Urban Center website, www.crossroadsurbancenter.org. Hey, thanks for giving me some time and all my best to you and the powerful moms who care, all your volunteers with Crossroads Urban Center and the Coalition of Religious Communities for the work you're doing today. Again, that teddy bear rally with uh, diapers <laughs> and food formula needed. It really is going to be the most kid-friendly rally you've ever gone to. We're <laughs> going to have hot chocolate and cookies. We're going to have an Elsa impersonator singing Let It Go. Um, I mean, this really is going to be... It's about kids, and we wanted it to be welcoming for, for kids, for, for parents of kids. Um, I mean, I know as a parent myself, like it really matters if I'm going to take my kid to something that, that they were included. And, and we're, we, I think the organizers for this event have tried really hard to make it, to make it something that, that kids, you know, if children experiencing, who've experienced homelessness this winter came, that they would feel welcome and loved. So where are you stationed for this event tonight, and how long will it go? It's just going to be for an hour from 6 to 7. It's, it's too cold to ask people to stay out a lot longer than that. Um, and it will be on the, the lawn on the south side of, of the building. So 
which is, means actually probably on the sidewalk in front of the lawn because the lawn is snow. But uh, I, I think uh, it's going to be, it should be really fun. And if folks can't make it, where can they drop off diapers and food formula that you can help? Um... We we really need those things right now at our, our at our food pantry. It's probably um, either our food pantry to take the um, donations, particularly the one in downtown at, at uh, 347 South, 400 East. Um, and again, you can find more at our website, www.crossroadsurbanfcenter.org. And if any of you are headed up there and get a chance to take a video of the Elsa impersonator, please get some video, post it, send it to me. And now Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project out of Utah State University. Their mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. They serve Utah and its residents by getting us relevant, trustworthy, and applicable research. And that's what I'm talking about here with her rather in this conversation recorded just a couple of days ago. It's about homelessness among Utah women. Dr. Madsen, it's good to see you and uh, have an opportunity to dig into your latest research snapshot about homelessness among Utah women as we approach the shortest day of the year and the annual vigil for folks who have lost their lives while living on the street. Your data underscores a very specific population here, and that's women. And what I'm hearing from Crossroads Urban Center is that they're seeing more and more families, women and families, being turned away at the family shelter. So as those numbers go up in general, we know more women are represented in them. But I thought we should go through the data and see how dire the situation is. So what is it like? Well, what's fascinating about this snapshot that we just produced is that there's really, throughout the decades, never been uh, an attempt, I should say, to even report this and separate men and women and really give us an idea about what's going on. And and as you know, you and I have talked about this before, this is more important than ever before, that we collect data on gender and also race and moving forward LGBTQ, um, because the experiences of women and men being homeless or going through many things that we research, right, are really different. And so we know in Utah and across the nation that there are more men that are homeless than women. However, we do know, you know, overall, uh, that over 3,000 Utah residents experience homelessness on any given day. And that data was from 2020. And um, and almost 25,000 people accessed homeless services in Utah sometimes during 2021. So sometimes, Laura, I, I think we, and and me too, I'm just going to put me, you know, we think of homelessness and we think of downtown Salt Lake and we think of who's on the street and that's not 3,000 people. So homelessness looks different often than we we think. And so there's still, when we look at overall a significant, we're talking thousands and thousands of women, especially, and there's more, of course, children when there are women who are homeless too. So it's um, something that we need to need to wrestle with and the state has given money in that last legislative session as you know uh, to help tackle this. One of the data points that really caught my eye is that of the 9,368 women again this was 2021 approximately 23 percent of them on the street were under the age of 18. Yeah 
absolutely. And some of those folks are are definitely um, some runaways and some older, you know, older like teens. But a lot of those are with their families, especially with their mothers. And so that's a lot of people. And that's, um, as you know, uh, when you have children who are homeless, the the other other things come in, like education. Like we know we're hearing reports, and I live in Davis County, of the number of teens that really are, have been homeless that are trying to go to school and trying to do those things. That, can you even imagine? No. I mean, I can't imagine that myself. So that must be tricky. Um, but the, the, we're still, you know, seeing thousands and thousands of people. And homelessness is a concern, especially with housing prices. Yes, exactly. So there are influencing factors, as you were alluding to. Um, education, mental health, developmental disability. Are we spending enough? Um, are we directing it enough? What did your data find? Well, we really gathered our data. We had some great help from the Office of Homelessness, and they they really worked for a couple months to get us the data that we we need. So they're really more of an expert than I on this. But we do have, uh, we do know that there is significantly $45 million in state funds just for this year. And so I think we'll have have a better taste as this year continues and, and the, the results are coming in on if that is enough. One of the interesting things that I just did a podcast where I interviewed um, uh, and Michelle, who's the executive director of the Road Roads Home, was on there, and and she said over and over again that this is a solvable problem. This really, we know how. There's states that have figured this out. Um, every every state still struggles in some ways, but states that have figured out really how to change. She's like, we have the answers. We just need to come together and figure out how to how to move forward. That sounds like spending more money, and I know that the governor has put out a budget that uh, is hoping to do that when it comes to housing, but what can Utahns do? And you do offer some advice in this research snapshot on women in Utah experiencing homelessness. Yeah, can can I just put in one more? One more key that I want people to understand, and that is we looked at uh, race and we we were able to run down with help of agencies the race. And of course, because there's more white people in the state of Utah, there's more homeless people who are white. However, when you, you dig down into the data, it's more likely um, if you are a person of color that you will be homeless. So So pure numbers, there's more. But I just wanted to mention that because I, I'm myself as a white woman, I'm trying to trying to think and, and uh, have it on my mind that we're not all the same. All women are not the same. And and some struggle with things that are, you know, different, um, of course, than others. Thanks for putting that uh, in. Yeah. And in terms of what Yucatans can do, um, I would say that that we just need to Number one, I say this all the time, we need to raise our awareness. I think reading our brief, our our report can help. We also have um, links to other things like endutahhomelessness.org. So that's an important website that you can get information on the local homeless homeless, uh, councils in your area. So there are people in 
different counties or areas that are really trying to tackle this because it looks different in Salt Lake than it might in Vernal or it might in Delta or some other areas of the state, but there are groups now around the state trying to think about efforts. So I would really suggest looking those up. And again, and utahhomelessness.org has really a lot of good resources on there. Yeah, there's these 13 local homeless councils. We've had this debate for, well, ever, but really yes. feels concentrated in the last couple of years as Salt Lake City Mayor Aaron Mendenhall reminds everyone else in the state, this is not a Salt Lake City alone problem. This is a Utah together problem. And so these councils are meant to address homelessness where it starts. It doesn't start in Salt Lake City or end in Salt Lake City. It starts wherever that person starts experiencing homelessness. So folks, we'll put a link in tonight's show notes where you can get connected with these 13 local homeless councils. And again, as Dr. Madsen just said, endutahhomelessness.org is the place to start. So in conclusion on your research, if we help women and girls, what is the domino effect? Oh, I love that. You know, the more that I do the research that I do, the more I realize how everything interacts with everything else. So sometimes think, people think, well, domestic violence or sexual assault are on the side. But you know what? They're really not because if someone's experienced domestic violence, it's going to impact their workplace experiences. It's going to impact their mental health, their physical health, their um just their overall safety, it's going to actually impact their the how much they earn, even the wage gap, even having confidence to to move that. So homelessness interacts with everything else, how you can maintain a job, your security, your confidence, um, just all those other things, your education, education for your children, all of those things are just interact, you know, they interact with each other. I wanted to also, in closing, talk about a project that you're involved with, with the Utah Women in Leadership Project and the governor's office, and that's Inspire in Utah. I've been seeing these billboards pop up, and I'm yes! like, yes, who's involved in this? <laughs> I love this initiative. So we're partnering with the governor's office of economic opportunity and also the Cox Henderson administration on this effort called Inspire Utah. And this um, comes from some grant money through COVID that's kind of on the end of that. Um, and we're making really a splash to try and help Utah women specifically in the workplace understand resources. And so we have three quick initiatives. One is that we're, we have an initiative on women starting businesses. We call it 1,000 new women-owned businesses in our state and trying to get them towards free resources all over the state that they that can help with them. Second, we are looking at uh, returnship, like how supports and resources for women who really want to come back to the workforce, maybe haven't been in the workforce for a while. There are so many resources to help them. And then finally, we want to highlight 100 companies that champion women like their family-friendly practices, what do they do for women in terms of mentoring and so forth. And so people can go on the inspireinutah.org website to uh, put nominate their companies. If their companies are doing great things, we want to give other companies um, ideas on what they can do to really champion women. And when you actually help women, you help families, right? And, 
And that's important to always remember. Dr. Susan Madsen of the Utah Women and Leadership Project. Do check tonight's show notes. I've got links to the project as well as the research snapshot on homelessness among Utah women and the program she just mentioned, Inspire in Utah. Stick around. Coming up next, we've got Tech Moms and Ready to Work. A little Margaret Glassby to get us there. Some devotion on KRCL 90.9. The Uprock and Art Space Bridge Project Christmas Drive is collecting donations for the Road Home Family Shelter through December 22nd. Items needed include towels, hygiene items, baby wipes, bottles, adult underwear, detergent, twin-sized sheets, can openers, and kitchen and bathroom basics. Drop-off locations include Art Space Bridge Project, Uprock, and KRCL. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com. Thanks for tuning in to Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Red, White, and Blues with Brian Kelm at 8 o'clock. It's his Christmas special, Not Your Mom and Dad's Christmas Blues special, by the way. Night Train with Michelle Tanner at 10.30, and then John Florence back to start your brand new day at 6 a.m. If you miss a show, say you really wanted to tune in live for Red, White, and Blues and Brian Kelm's Christmas show tonight, and you missed it, well... You can listen on demand for the next two weeks at krcl.org. Just click on the Programs tab and then sort by show and date, and you'll find it there. Thanks to the generosity of listeners like you who have donated in the past. All right, let's wrap up our show with a panel conversation, and we're going to talk, kind of playing on some of the things we already talked about uh, tonight, about women in our community and work reentry. And we're getting to it in a couple of ways, but our guide tonight is Robin Scribner, co-founder, Director of Outreach for Tech Moms. Hi, how you doing? Hey, I'm great. It's so good to see you. And you used to be with Utah Women in Leadership Project. Used to have you on all the time with yeah. Dr. Madsen. Uh, tech Moms, tell us first of all about this group, when you founded it, and why. So I, in February of 2020, a perfect time to launch something <laughs> brand new, I got together with a couple of other friends who were really interested in finding ways to give women opportunities to break into the tech industry. They were both techies themselves. I am yeah. not. My partners, Trina Limpert and Mikkel Blake, fantastic technicians. But I was always, I'd always been passionate about helping women navigate workforce transitions and get into better professional situations. And so we, you know, started working with Weber State, UVU, some other higher ed institutions to launch this program. And then the pandemic hit. And we really had this um, heartfelt conversation. Can we really do this right now? And the more that we looked about what was happening to women's careers because of the pandemic yeah. we said more than ever we have to do this now well and I think about tech work and how much of it can be done remotely and it would seem to fit with women who have kids yeah. um, and need that flexibility or stay at home what have you so what did tech moms do what did it offer so we launched a part-time program that lasts nine weeks. We teach basic front-end web development skills as well as a robust career exploration curriculum. So we bring in guest speakers who are women working in all different tech roles to help women understand there's a lot more to tech than just coding. And some of our women are super techy and want to go into highly technical areas. And others are like, no, I want to go into sales. I want to hang out with people all day. I want to do marketing, other things like that. And we're helping women understand there's a career for everybody in tech. There's so many different yeah. ways to go about it. Because I feel like the the tech economy, our revolution, it, it feels um, 
on the news very one-dimensional. It's one type of person, one type of job, and it's not. Yeah. I mean, there's public relations for tech companies. Uh, so lots of different things. And how do you get your foot in that door if you've been out of the workforce or maybe that wasn't anything you got your education in? Right. And we've got our women come from a lot of different backgrounds. About half our women are doing true workforce reentry. They haven't worked in 5, 10, 20 years, and they're getting their very first uh, job back in the workforce. But other women have had long careers in different industries where they just need something new. So they're looking for more pay, more flexibility and more opportunity. And we're going to get to your new program, Ready to Work, but I wanted to meet some of your Tech Mom graduates. So you got a couple to join you. Let's meet them, shall we? Okay, so joining us first, we have with us Kelsey Taylor. Hey, Kelsey, how are you? I'm so good. Thanks for having us. And also we have Sammy Nielsen. Hi, Sammy. Hi. Thanks and for having us. You shared a really cool story out in the lobby before, and we're going to get to that too. But what brought you to Tech Moms? When did you do it? And what did you think it was going to be before you took it? Um, so I actually just graduated um, November of this year, um, started in September. It was a part-time. Um, I am, I have a high school diploma, and that's my background. Okay. <laughs> so, so you found Tech Moms and thought, okay, I want to check it out. Is there something there for me? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. So I have four kids, and going back to school just isn't really an option right now. Um, mm -hmm. I also was a nanny for the past four years, and so... Um, I was on Indeed trying to get a job after I decided to quit nannying, and I applied probably to 50 different jobs, and no one wanted me. So yeah. I was like, I need to do something. Um, I ended up landing a job at a private school in Utah County, um, Inquisitive Minds, and so um, I kind of just started there part-time working from home, and I was like, do I really need to go back to school? and go to this program um, decided yeah I was gonna try it out and it's part-time like Saturdays from 10 to 4 I'm like I, I can do this okay <laughs> so yeah and it gave you the confidence to go to your boss and yes tell us what you did and what happened so um, after graduating I um, decided I wanted to go into digital marketing and I had a conversation with my boss and she has me over the digital marketing for our school. So I am doing their social media marketing. That is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Sam, you've got something in common though with Kelsey and that is when looking for a job, you couldn't get any nibbles. The difference, you said you had a high school diploma, right? Right. And uh, you say you have a bachelor's. I do have a bachelor's degree. Really expensive piece of paper that couldn't get me a job <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> so no. when did you do Tech Moms and why? Yeah, so it's been about a year for me since I graduated. I graduated November 2021. Um, the backstory behind that is really just beginning of 2021, my husband got real sick. And we, we had a, I think he was two at the time, little boy. And long story short, I just, we weren't making ends meet. My husband was missing work, mystery illness, couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I started applying for jobs, applying for jobs. As Sammy knows, tons of applications went out. And, you know, I had this really expensive piece of paper that everyone said, if you have this, you can get a job. And again, no one, no one wanted me. Right. And so. Uh, what was your expensive piece of paper and anything to do with tech? <laughs> no, not at all. Exercise and wellness. Okay. <laughs> Which I guess if you say that out loud, no wonder nobody, <laughs> nobody wanted wow. me. But uh, anyway, so from there, I just, I, I took a job actually at a bakery at four o'clock in the morning. So I had to wake up at 3.15 and that was tough. I was trying to do an opposite schedule for my husband's husband. work schedule. Yeah. In the meantime, and he's also uh, ill and needs some support. Yes. It was, it was just a lot. <laughs> did you just think, how do I get out of this cycle? Yeah. I, yeah. Honestly, it was like, is there anything else? Is there something I can do flexibly? Is there something I could do from home? Like, you know, COVID sucked for everybody, yeah. but I, I, you know, 
the one good thing that came out of COVID was remote work. And I was just shocked that I couldn't find anything. You know what I mean? And so anyways, from there, um, I have a sister who's connected to Robin and she said, Hey, you should look at tech moms. And I thought tech, like (laughs) that's like for sweaty dudes in their basements. (laughs) (laughs) Like I'm not, (laughs) I don't have the flannel. I don't, I'm too cute for that. (laughs) Uh, anyways. And I, I just thought that's super intimidating for me, but I don't, I don't want to say tech moms was bottom of the barrel for me, but it definitely was a, I don't know where else to go. And, uh, anyways, I, I did that. It completely changed my life. So fell in love with coding from that thought I wanted to do, uh, software development. So got really ramped for do that. I did, I did, uh, Salt Lake community colleges, uh, web dev program basically. And anyways, from that tech moms that included just gave me confidence to apply for a company's women in engineering scholarship. Um, and they, they fund your way through Dev Mountain's full-time boot camp, okay. uh, programming boot camp. Yeah. So I did that and had a baby while I was doing that. And <laughs> that was wild. Are we still working at the bakery? Uh, no, oh okay. no, oh no. You got rid of that. I quit that for tech moms. So <laughs> stopped doing that. And uh, anyways, did a full-time, I just finished two weeks ago, just graduated that, but did that with my my two-year-old, my newborn baby and got really good at coding one-handed. And How's your husband? Oh, he's good. Much he's better. Good. Okay. I, we never knew what happened, but he's well. You know, and he's took the coding boot camp with you, right? He d- he did a program with you as well, so he's working on these he, same yeah. sort of areas. He got really inspired. He's going to do software engineering as well. So, so have you landed a tech job? Uh, not quite. Well, technically, yes, but I I have a data analytics internship coming up in January. Well, congratulations. So hopefully, that'll turn into a full time job. So, Robin, two completely different lives here, but both looking for something that's going to bring more income into their family and work with their schedules. And this is what Tech Moms was was started to do, right? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that's been so inspiring to us, we we talk all the time that uh, that we're not just teaching tech skills, we're actually helping women transform their own lives. Yeah. And the thing that we see more than anything else, the, the tech skills, anyone can teach that, right? But so many of our women come into our situation that they don't have any confidence, they don't have any belief, they don't see any options, they're lacking hope in their lives. And to get together with another group of women who are all in the same situation, learning this at the same time and recognize Oh wait, I really can do this. And yeah. we have we have alumni come in and they're coding coaches. Kelsey was just saying like she loves to be in there because they're like, you know so much. And she's like, I just learned this six months ago. But <laughs> but like there's a there's a steep they think learning. I'm curve. a rock star. Yeah. And I'm like You are. I, I'm like six months ahead of you. But like I, I knew nothing when I started, right? Yeah. And so when I go into those tech moms to co- to as a coding coach, they really are just like amazed yeah. that you know stuff. And I'm like, girlfriend, give it six months. Yeah. Give it yeah. six months and you're going to be where I'm at. It's amazing because I remember taking um, computer science in high school and it was a miserable experience. I'm not going to tell you how many decades ago it was. <laughs> but getting into coding isn't like that anymore. And you really need that hands-on boot camp thing more so than... I mean, if you can get the bachelor's, great, go for it. In fact, I wanted to bring this into the conversation here, Robin. Governor Spencer Cox, Utah Governor Spencer Cox, last week launched his Skills First Hiring Initiative for state government, um, and that's they're they're eliminating the requirement for bachelor's degrees in their employee recruitment. And they're emphasizing similar support by local governments in the private sector. And here's a, a comment from a press conference from last week from Governor Cox. When we think about higher education, I, I think we have to reevaluate higher education and, and that value proposition. The incentive structure we have right now mostly encourages time in, in a seat. 
right? And, and, and discounts those life experiences as well. Um, I have friends who, for whatever reason, didn't have an opportunity to go to, to college right out of high school. Um, life happens. Life is messy and life is difficult. And we have organized as a country, a system of higher learning that very much incentivizes and rewards younger people who have an opportunity right out of high school to go to college, especially those that are a little more well-to-do, although we've gotten better at that. Um, and if you don't get it in that small window of life, it gets so much more difficult. Right. And, and you get to a point you've had all of these life experiences, maybe, uh, again, work experiences where you can actually teach the class. But we still make you go in and sit in that seat during the day, usually. Um, and, and that's that's just not acceptable. We have to be able to meet people where they are. And when we talk about skills first or competency based first, we should also be thinking about competency based education. And that is Utah Governor Spencer Cox speaking last week at the launch of a Skills First hiring initiative for jobs with state government, Robin. And I think this kind of plays into what you've done with Tech Moms and now your Ready to Work program that is going to help women in all sorts of different sectors. Yes, I was thrilled to hear that announcement from Governor Cox. I, I think one of the things that we see so often, I, I'm a huge fan of college education. For those who can do it, for those that people work for, it can be hugely beneficial. But at the same time, as he said, there are people getting in their 20s, 30s, 40s. This is not an option for them. They've got families, they've got to earn a living. And at the same time, as he mentioned, they have so many skills and experiences that bring you know so much value to the workforce. And so I love this um, emphasis on recognizing how can we look at our comp- competencies? How can we look at all the skills, experience that, that we've got that we bring into the workforce and maybe not put such valuable value on that degree? Well, and what we've heard here from Kelsey and Sammy is gaining skills and then moving to the next level. So Kelsey and Sammy, is that what you're planning to do with your, your tech careers now? Are you going to be looking for more opportunities to gain that next set of skills? Because you now have to put into action what you've picked up. Yeah. So right now I'm just using a Canva, which is just like creating content, but I also um, am going to look into getting more education on SEO and trying to search engine um, optimization. Yes, and so helping in digital marketing and and really diving into the digital marketing world and education. So I am going to further that. Um, and with Tech Moms, they also um, I was just talking to Robin, and they are going to have like a part time um, education kind of program that I can go through, and so definitely goes back to tech moms they want you to succeed and they're willing to help you and find different ways to help you so kelsey you said you're six months ahead of the folks that you're now coaching well sort of on saturdays (laughs) as i can but no absolutely i think the biggest thing i learned with tech is you know in three years it's all what you know now is irrelevant (laughs) you got to keep up on your skills so it's you know whether i'm learning that through free YouTube channels or things like Udemy, Pluralsight, whatever it is, whatever courses you need to take to stay relevant. Absolutely going to keep diving into all of that. But mm, Udemy, U-D-E-M-Y. And I believe yep. a lot of folks can get to that, uh, well, online, but then your library has lots of classes yeah. available too. I'm trying to, lynda.com, you can, I know the Salt Lake City Library card, you have access to all the classes there. Yeah, it's wonderful. There's so many free, like, like she just mentioned, anybody can learn any tech skill they want for free, right? Now, it's not the right learning method for all of us. A lot of us need a classroom, a lot of us need a coach, but if you want to learn a specific skill, there are resources out there for anybody to gain those. All right, so take us now to your new program, which is Ready to Work. 
a workforce reentry program for women looking to find a job in any industry, not just tech. And how is it going to work? So one of the things we learned when we launched Tech Moms, we still think tech is a fantastic industry. We want to encourage a lot of women to explore it. But we know that it's not right for everybody. There are lots of women who have already had a career in the past. They, they want to get back to it. But because they've had that long career break, they're just not sure how. Another thing that we found when we started Tech Moms is we were teaching the technical skills, but a lot of women didn't have the workforce reentry skills and capabilities that they needed. And so we started launching some free workshops on resume writing and creating a LinkedIn profile and networking and all these other different things that were additional to what we had time to teach in the Tech Moms course. And so we realized that women who don't want to go into tech and women who need all those other um, abilities and that, that little leg up, the little boost that they need to get back into the workforce, we wanted to create an opportunity to do that in the same cohort model that we do Tech Moms in. Because one thing that we've learned is that our women gain so much strength and support from each other by that community feeling of like, I'm not alone. She's making it through. I can do it too. And so that's what we decided to build the Ready to Work program that's going to teach all those workforce first reentry skills and everything that you need. In addition to confidence, that's really one of the major things that we see lacking in all the women that come through our program. Even though they are incredible and they have amazing skills, they bring so much value to any organization. They've worked in the PTA and they work in their churches and they've run their homes, but they just don't believe that they can translate that into the workforce. So that's what the Ready to Work program is going to help our women do. And there is a cost, uh, and but there's also a tuition assistance, yes. I understand. So this class starts when, and how can people find more details? So it starts on January 17th, a new year new and a year, new, new career, year. right? Yes. So with all of our programs through Tech Moms, there is a very low tuition cost. It's highly subsidized by our program and fundraising. We're a nonprofit. But um, but for women who struggle with, the, with that tuition cost, we find ways mm -hmm. to make it work. We've never turned anybody away for an inability to pay for our program. So you just go to tech moms.org you can find the application there for our regular tech moms programs and our um, new ready to work program and we're starting like five new cohorts in january we're going to be crazy busy we're starting up at weber state one at slick one in lehigh in partnership with mountainland tech one online and then the new ready to work program so lots of opportunity one of the things that i'm hearing though in talking with all of you is this network that forms going through these programs to take that that next step robin I so I beat the networking horse nonstop. I I fully 100% believe that it is the most important aspect of any professional successful career. And one of the things that women, especially if they've been out of the workforce for a while, they get so isolated and they're not thinking about their professional life. So even even if they're talking to friends and going to lunch and working at the PTA and doing all these other things, they're not keeping their mind on how can I build some professional yeah. networks. And so Tech Moms is so powerful in that way. We've had more than 300 graduates in the last two and a half years. So right the second they join this, they've they've got a network three strong, plus all the guest speakers and everybody else that we bring into this. So yeah. we have had a really strong community support from our local tech companies who want to engage and help women in this way. So that, I think that's one of the most special things about our program is that professional network. Well, Kelsey and Sammy, maybe you can speak to folks out there listening to this that might be in a similar situation as you were before you got involved. Because I imagine, Kelsey, that in talking to your husband back then, you took on this job at the bakery at four in the morning, I'm guessing. And he, you know, trying to work those opposite schedules to keep the money coming in and take care of the kids. And you had another baby on the way. He was ill. To make that leap, that leap of faith, that if you did this, something would come of it. I'll bet that was stressful. 100%. It was terrifying. It was like, I mean, I hope this pays off. <laughs> I absolutely hope this pays off. And I mean, we were like, well, what is what is Tech Moms like placement percentage? And what and, and you know what? 
we just decided it didn't matter. We just did it anyway. And because otherwise I, that cycle was just going to be what it was. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll, I'll tell you what, talking about that network, it game changer, absolute game changer. Yeah. Cause it for sure in any industry, it's this way, but I, especially for tech, it's not it, what you know is important, but it's not what you know, it's who you know, that gets mm. you, you, you that foot in the door. Yeah. And I, I think tech moms is really special because I mean, Sammy and I literally met tonight. But, <laughs> you, already got you know, talk, talking in the lobby, we're like besties already. <laughs> it just once a tech yeah. mom, always a tech mom. And there's just some sort of connection there where it's like, I get you. I get what you went through. And I get that hard decision it was to be like, I'm going to leave my kids at home yeah. every Saturday for nine weeks, which feels like nothing now, <laughs> considering where, you know, this whole journey we've been on. But it's really scary to to leave and realize I don't have a professional network. I'm starting from nothing like and I, I don't want to say tech moms holds your hands, but they definitely yeah. like wrap their arms around you and guide you through that. There's a lot of work that I know Dr. Madsen does with Utah Women in Leadership Project. And I'm sure this is part of your, your, your program is that imposter syndrome that a lot of us have. Like, who am I to say I could do that, let alone even if I took this class, would it work out? Sammy, did you deal with any of that and trying to take this path? Oh, yeah. And um, I remember having a conversation with Trina and I was I actually had a conversation about my what I was making at work and she's like no and she gave me that confidence boost that yeah I should be making more and I got a very significant raise and I'm now salary and so that was something that I don't think I would have had the confidence to have that conversation because that's a tough conversation to have with your employer right, yeah, right. um and so definitely like the just the confidence that they give you and and you think no, I, I really don't think I can be making that much. I've never made that much in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and so with all these new skills, though, that I have and these women that are like, no, you got this. Like, you're doing an amazing job. And they uh -huh. saw the work that I was doing. They're like, no, this is amazing. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I definitely feel that. There's a couple of things swirling in my mind, Robin. Um, I'm an old business reporter. I've been in the workforce since the 80s. And I'm, I'm just thinking of some of those old tropes that women don't know how to negotiate. I think most people in general don't have a hard time asking for what they think they're worth or putting that number on themselves. But there's also what I call the Utah tax. If you want to stay in Utah with your family and, you know, uh, uh, you're not going to make as much. That old saw, right? So it sounds like you address a lot of this as part of the work, too, in helping women re-entering the workforce with ready to work or getting into tech. Yeah. That it's not just about the skill, although we're going to help you get there, but it's about the confidence to navigate the workplace. Absolutely. And we do talk a lot about some of the different cultural factors here that we're facing in Utah. A lot of our women were raised to not believe that they would ever need to have a career or, yeah. or ever want to have a career. Outside the home. Right. Let's face it, being a mom, helping with the family, oh, yeah. being in a partnership or in a single mom situation, that is a job. It is. Oh, the hardest job. <laughs> I will say that I've got six kids. It's the hardest job. But at the same time, you know, just so many women weren't prepared to understand that they would need to earn a living. Yeah. And in, in today's reality, one of the things we're looking at, such high inflation rates. But at the same time, we've got low unemployment. There are jobs out there and helping women understand the value that they bring, that they can go out and ask for the money that they should rightfully be earning, right? The money that they are worth in today's economy. That is a really tough skill. It's something that we talk about a lot. And we, we've had some great salary negotiation workshops, other things like that. But, but a lot of it just comes from, again, those one-on-one -on -one conversations. How much are you making now? You should be making more than that. Let me help you figure out how to ask for it. Here's the data. Here's how to ask for it. Yeah. You know, and, and it, I think it's that fear of the no, right? No, not you. No, you're not ready. We don't have that kind of money. Right. And so how do you deal with that? 
do you know, we, we try to be realistic in some of our conversations. It's easy to get in this rah-rah thing like, hey, once you get in here, everything's going to be all sunshine and roses. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen thousands of tech layoffs recently. Yeah. The tech industry itself is volatile. But at the same time, those people who are getting laid off are finding new jobs. There mm-hmm. is opportunity, but it is an up and down thing. And so we, just, we talk about this a lot. This journey is not going to be easy but you can do it and we can help you do it. And so when things don't go right, we, we've had some women be laid off from the jobs that, you know, the new jobs that they've gotten, then they get laid off. Okay, where are we going to find your next job? So then there's a resource to come back to yeah. with, with the group. Because as you said, you, you know, you're a nonprofit. Why did you decide that Tech Mom should be a nonprofit? We, we thought about making a for-profit program when we started, but we knew that the women who needed this program the most could not afford what it cost. And so we've had great corporate sponsors. We've had you know some money from the state, philanthropic partners as well, who recognize the value of this program and how it's setting up families for long-term success so that they can be contributors and, and have that confidence. And that we, we have a lot of women who, on their graduation day, they talk about how they're sitting next to their daughters and coding with their daughters. So we're building out a lifetime of intergenerational strength and ability ability to move forward in an industry where it has nonstop opportunity. Well, in the domino effect, as as uh, Kelsey here attributed, her husband then is following her into this same type of skills-based, skills-building approach to tech, a job in tech. Yeah. That's fantastic. Cool. So what's the website where folks can, can learn more? So our website is tech-moms.org. And then when's the cutoff for signing up for this January start to ready to work? It'll just be when the program fills up, but we've got space right now. So come take a look at it. And and even if you think the program's full, go ahead and sign up because we'll be launching more cohorts in the future. And I did want to mention you have one other program called Dev Moms. What is that about? So Dev Moms is an offshoot that a couple of Tech Moms graduates built. It was so inspiring to us. We didn't, this was not top led. This was um, Tech Moms graduates led that they wanted to provide opportunities for internships for women to practice and develop the skills that they'd already learned. And so Ali Nickel and Del Yari Santos started Dev Moms. They trained other Tech Moms graduates. They launched them and they found small business owners, uh, nonprofits, other people who needed a new website, a simple website, but built at a great cost. And that's what Dev Moms is. It's been such a cool journey to watch them do that and give more women opportunity to build out their portfolios. Well, and just in closing, give you all a minute to say something to the folks that are listening about a new year and a new start. It's a great opportunity to wipe the slate clean, Robin. Yeah. Uh, I, I just want to encourage everybody. It, it feels like a dark time a lot. I, we're on LinkedIn all day long, and, and we're seeing nonstop layoffs, a lot of things. It is a tumultuous time with our economy right now. And so we the, our message is to people who are feeling, you know, women who are feeling like, my family's not quite making it. The uh, inflation's pretty tough. What can I do? Come find a community that can help you get the skills, get their network, and get the resources you need to start moving forward. I'm super optimistic about this. Thank you, Robin. Kelsey, what's your advice? Yeah, I would just say to the moms out there who are terrified out of their minds <laughs> to, to dive back into work. Maybe they haven't been. It's been two years since they've been to work, 10 years, 20 years. Like this is the right community for you because it just doesn't matter how long you've been out of it. There are resources that can help you get back in and honestly give you the income that will change your family's life. Kelsey Taylor, thank you. And Sammy, Sammy Nielsen, last word to you. Uh, given what you've gone through, what's your advice to to women and families facing a situation similar to yours? And you took the the leap. Yeah. So I have a background. Um, I also am a Latin woman, and so we just kind of do have a harder time. I just say go for it because you just one foot in front of the other, and like the Tech Moms um, founder had said, the first day just show up. 
and I did show up every day um, that we were supposed to be there and even when I felt discouraged because you have this community now behind you and like I have these women that are here with me too today and it's just this is an experience that I wouldn't have had and it's it's great it's also very empowering thanks for giving us some time sammy kelsey and robin thanks for having us it's a it's a busy time of year so i appreciate you coming down to the studios i'm sending you out in style though got a little dolly parton for you i'm guessing you can guess which song it is (laughs) oh yeah nine to five thanks for listening everybody we'll see you tomorrow night on radioactive here in krcl i'm laura jones have a great night krcl salt lake city There's nothing like good music. And with your help, we can continue KRCL's mission of music discovery. See if your employer will match your recent donation to KRCL and double down on your support. Make a gift, pick out a t-shirt, and see if your employer matches contributions at krcl.org.